Welcome to Sydney Property Insider, giving you news and insights on the Sydney property market. Your hosts are Michelle May, a professional buyer's agent and owner of her independent buyer's agency, and Marcus Roberts, a member of Property Investment Professionals of Australia and owner of leading mortgage broker firm, Brighter Finance. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sydney Property Insider, the show that teaches you and educates you about everything and anything to do with Sydney property. Yeah, have you do more intros. <laughs> I think I've just realised. I need to practice more, don't I? Marcus, how are you? Really well, Michelle. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Now, this week, we're going to be drawing upon your expertise as the expert mortgage broker. That's why it's going to be a very short episode today, everyone. <laughs> Two minutes and then we're done. <laughs> okay, so hold on to your hats. This is going to be a fast one. We're talking about the types of properties that as a buyer you may fall in love with, but that the banks and the lenders out there may have some concerns about. So we've created a short list that we're going to talk you through. So Marcus, why don't you start us off? Sure. So I'll also preface this by saying that this is probably the first of a, a two or three part series um, talking about why banks hate you <laughs> <laughs> because the, the number of uh, number of times that um, that we'll find something so this one will delve into types of properties or types of titles. Our next episode on this subject will be um, how banks actually assess your income. So for example, rental income you don't actually get 100% credit for mm-hmm. um, for your investment property in the bank's eyes, they will scale it back down to 70 or 80%. So mm-hmm. talking about some of the types of income and how it's assessed by lenders. Mm-hmm. And then if needed, maybe a third episode just on other structural type issues or, or things that things that are outside those two main categories that banks might have a, have a concern or have some caution around. Yeah. But starting today... We should go through the types of properties, and this is especially relevant if you have a loan pre-approved and you are going to need lender's mortgage insurance because you are over, say, an 80% loan-to-value ratio. So if you're a first home buyer or first property investor and you don't have a huge amount of deposit, but you're still looking at purchasing, the types of properties that you should have a chat to your bank or broker about prior to putting your hand up at auction for. And so we'll be talking about LVR, loan-to-value ratio. ratio. So the easiest easiest way to think about loan-to-value ratio is just called LVR to make it much simpler. And if the property is worth $100,000, and you have a loan of $80,000, then 8 out of 10 or 80% mm. is your LVR. Yep. So banks like things of 80% or less. And the reason for that is that banks aren't really in the property business. They're in the lending money business. Right. If you have yeah. something go wrong and you're unable to pay the mortgage, the bank does not want to become a property manager. The bank is really just trying to get its money back. Yeah. So... is a nice figure where if they had to sell the place in a fire sale, they most likely would cover their own debt. And anything extra is nice for ultimately the consumer, the customer, but the bank is in the business for the bank. Yeah, of course. That's something to be aware of. So start us off. Which type of property? Yeah, so maybe the first one we'll we'll mention is uh, especially – prevalent in 
Sydney and becoming more and more prevalent as more and more people move into the city and there's there's only the same amount of geographic reach. So talking through smaller type apartments. So first, 50 square meters is, is a good guide. If the internal space, which does not include balcony, storage cage downstairs, car parking, etc. If mm. the internal space is less than 50 square meters, mm-hmm. you won't be able to find that all 35 banks, 40 length major banks, lenders across Australia are going to be happy to lend to that above the 80% mark. Right. So one of the first things you can do when you start narrowing down your search is look at the internal space or, or Hopefully, there's a floor plan in the um, realestate.com.au or the domain uh, ad listing. Or the contract. Or the contract, which mm-hmm. will show you what the, the internal space and mm. uh, what the space is. So, above 50, you should be fine. Between 40 to 50 square meters, one of the things you need to, to look for is that there is a separate bedroom. It also needs to have separate kitchen and bathroom facilities. So you can't have mm-hmm. the oven right next to the loo. There has to be some <laughs> sort of some sort of wall between the two. Um, and you know that area again is really only calculated using that internal space. Yeah. Now, if you go below forty square meters, you again decrease the number of banks that are willing to do that loan for you even further. Very few banks and, and nothing above 80% loan-to-value ratio or yeah. LVR. Uh, again, really needs separate kitchen bathroom. Before going to auction, contact your bank, contact your broker, make sure that it's going to be acceptable mm. because the last thing we want you to do is go to auction, have the winning bid, and then start panicking immediately after you've had that first sip of champagne. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very interesting that it needs to have a separate kitchen and bathroom and separate bedroom when it's between 40 and 50. Yeah, so most of the place we end up being walls. Yes. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's not to say that they're yeah. bad properties. Certainly mm. I, I myself used to have a property that was a studio apartment which um, had no separate bedroom. It was, um, I think there was a closet between the bed area and the living area. And as a result, there are only a few lenders that will do that. So studio apartments, which are seen as, you know, living in bed area in the same space, there's only a very few number of banks. In fact, traditionally, it used to just be St. George, CBA as well. There's a few that will do it, but only at that 80% level. Mm. And they can be great properties. They rent out like wildfire, especially if they're close to the city. Yes. The rental yield is fantastic on them usually. You're not paying a huge amount in strata. It's just that if a bank went into possession of it and had to sell, there's only a few likely buyers of that property. Yeah, your buyer pool will be limited. Yeah. Which and, you know the which effects is, then. Which really affects potential. all of these. So all of the ones that all of the types mm. of properties that we we discuss over the, the next few minutes. Think about it from the seller's perspective. If they have to sell in any type of market, I know we're in a rising market at the moment, but mm. if, if the bank needs to sell in a down market, you're limiting the number of purchasers, which means the price is going to fluctuate wildly mm. in a down market compared to what the what the reality is. Correct. So 
We've spoken about studio. We've spoken about uh, 40 to 50 and um, 50 square and that sort of smaller apartment space. The other one that I, I would I would touch on here is your service department. So some people that are investors do like service departments um, because they see it as, well, great, you know, um, we get short-term rentals in place. Mm-hmm. We know that we're going to have tenants in. They're probably paying a much higher rent than they would if they were on a long-term lease. Yeah. And we know that the property is being looked after because it's serviced by whoever operates the agreement. Yeah. Similar to student accommodation service departments, very similar in the way that banks assess that. If there is an operator, so if there's an operating lease agreement over the entire complex for the service department, whoever's looking over the entire complex, you'll find that most banks will not want to go above that 70% and student accommodation even less. It's right. sort of 60%, 50%. Okay, interesting. So, again, probably not relevant if you're looking for your own place, but if you're an investor and looking at service departments as a great little income earner, be sure and, and speak to your broker or bank about whether the loan that you have pre-approved will be sufficient if you purchase something as a service department. So it would be fair to say that if the less the bank is willing to lend it on a particular type of property, the higher the risk for the bank. That's how they yeah. see it. Yes, yeah. that's really a good way of summarizing it. The lower the amount that the bank is prepared to put forward as a contribution towards the sale price, mm the higher the risk is to them of not getting their money back if they have to sell and most likely the lower number of eligible purchasers if they did need to sell. Yes, because I imagine the market for service departments, investors, would be fairly small. Certainly lower than your Mm. semi-detached housing Mm. bleep, for example. I've never bought one of them from any of my clients for sure. Okay, what else are we needing to look out for? Yeah, so um, other ones that are out there that that come up from time to time is multiple units on single title. So think about, mm-hmm. um, so one that I've seen recently, what looks like a house that was then subdivided within the, you know, via DA, but it's kept on one title. If you have three different units or four units on that single title, Banks won't go above sort of that 60 to 70% once it hits four units on single title. And at two units, they'll max out at about 80%. Right. And the the reason for that, again, is title issues of having three or four units all on that same title. Banks don't want to get into that conversation if uh, you start defaulting on your obligations as a consumer. Yeah, I I see. So So that would be units multiple units but still on Torrance title, on one Torrance title, as opposed to a number of units all on each individual strata right. title. Yes, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. where um so where we have seen that is when um you do have like a as I say, a, a fully detached house that was then had some work done. The upstairs has been blocked off from the downstairs and out the yeah. back they've put a wall between between the the front of house and back of house, and all of a sudden you've got three separate living areas, yeah, but all on the one same yep. title, yeah, yeah. Okay. What else do we have? So we've got um, second mortgages. So very few lenders, mainstream lenders, will want to touch this at all. If you think about a mortgage 
and who has first and second rights over it, it sort of makes sense. So a second mortgage, most people will, will purchase a property and they'll take a have a first mortgage over it of 80% of the value. So yeah. 800 grand on the $1 million property. If that was, say, 300 grand instead of 800 and you went back to the bank and you know, requested more money and they said, no, we're absolutely not giving you more money than the 300K we've given you, then you'd need one option might be to find a second mortgage. Most banks won't do it because they are postponed from getting their money back until the first mortgage is paid out completely. Okay, yeah. So let's say that you have a loan through ANZ and you go back to ANZ for more money and ANZ says no, you have to go to a second tier or third tier type lender Mm. who's happy to do a second mortgage for you. They're really understanding that ANZ gets paid out first. So if ANZ has to sell, Mm. ANZ gets all of its money back and then whatever's left over goes to the second mortgage. So imagine also then for that taking on that kind of a risk, they're going to charge you much higher rate. Yeah. Yep. So much higher rate. And again, this probably doesn't affect you if you're purchasing, but if it is something that you look at as an existing property owner and having trouble with uh, getting more money out of your bank, it is certainly an option. It's just a very costly option and less available option than just a very simple, you know, first mortgage over a, over your property. Yeah. Okay. So then. We previously just touched on torrents titled strata titles, so units versus houses, owning the land or only part of the land. But then there's also such a thing as company title. There is, yeah. Mm. So company title is getting more and more rare. I won't go too much into this only because we have someone, uh, we have an expert coming in in a week's time to discuss company title. Yeah. Um, but where you find company title units are in your Potts Points, your King's Mm. Cross, where they're old, very old unit blocks of, um, you know, your 1920s, 1930s Art Deco type buildings. And you will still find some which are on company title. Absolutely. Now for a bank, it's a much, it's a much harder lend for a company title because they're really lending on the basis of the company that owns the building. Yeah as well as all of the other owners that are in the building, and it becomes a much harder proposition to sell down the track. But again, we'll have someone um, that's much more expert in company titles than I uh, in the weeks ahead. Mm -hmm. It's very rare I see them. Mm -hmm. I do see them from time to time. I can think of two times in the last six months. But largely speaking, nothing over 80%. Yeah. Okay. And then there's such a thing as... Crown leasehold. Now these are very rare. I I've only, never actually done one. Well, I yeah. only I only heard about it. Um, I know about it because in the UK yeah. they're quite common, but in Sydney in particular, uh, it's very rare. But I heard of one just the other day, actually. Really? Yes, okay. it wasn't one of the, my ideas. They are but, more prevalent in the ACT yes. on ninety-nine year leaseholds. Yes, um, but we don't see them so much in Sydney. In fact, I can't. I honestly can't recall actually seeing one in the last 10, 15 years. And it's basically where you're borrowing from the land, from the crown as such. And as, you're leasing. Uh, yeah, you're really. leasing. And so you, it's over a certain period of time. Usually a 99-year lease. Yeah. And, it, and typically it would roll mm. at expiry. Mm. But and typically it, it used to be a lot more um, farming land. 
that was yeah. that way yeah. uh, inclined. Yeah. So um, you, it would be really rare to find one in this day and age. But again, if that happens to be the place that you've set your heart on, speak to your bank or broker about what the likelihood of getting that property accepted as acceptable security is. Mm. Others that we could mention are, we've touched on student accommodation. The other one that we have seen is warehouse conversions. So, you know, converted warehouses where everything's in one huge room, well, mm. theoretically almost like a, a loft-style mm-hmm. apartment that you would have in, say, New York. Very few lenders want to, to lend to warehouse conversion, and they do require the full living facilities of kitchen, bathroom. It can include a bedroom where the, the bedroom is in the sitting room, but only to serve a 60 to 70% basis. So mm. nothing lenders mortgage insurance would touch. Yeah. And then the last one I think we should mention is those um, apartments, particularly in high-density suburbs, so where there's been a lot of new development. Talk us through that one, uh, Marcus. Yeah, so often mentioned of as almost like cookie-cutter apartments in those off-plan suburbs, places like Zetland and Waterloo at the moment where you've just, if you go through, even mm. over the last sort of three to four years, you go through and it's just cranes after cranes after cranes. Yeah. It becomes such a high-density location that banks have one of two levers that they, they look at. They look at postcode to see, and they might put a restriction on it to say, if you're buying something that's in a 10-story block, we will only go to 65% or 70%, or they will do it on a what's called like a security register basis. So if your loan was with... Uh, if your pre-approval was with NAB, for, for the sake of the argument, and NAB already had lent money to 10%, 20% of the other units in that same building, yeah. they may say no to you. Yeah, because they, they would be overexposed. Too much risk. Yeah. 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 There's too much risk for them. They're not diversified across a number of properties. Mm. It's all in that same block. And certainly, Correct me if I'm wrong. If, if you're a buyer out there and you've been talking to your broker or your lender, this is something that can be checked beforehand, before you, you go down that route of committing to a strata review and a contract review yep. and you're spending more money. Would you recommend maybe that yeah, people so, look at that so certainly a little bit high earlier density. on? Yeah, so certainly high density. If you get to, if you're looking at purchasing a specific location and you have the, the unit address, which you would hope that you would, um, <laughs> certainly send that through to your broker who should be checking against the uh, banker lender that you have your pre-approval through yeah. to ensure that it would be sufficient or it would be seen as acceptable mm. um, security. Yeah. Hey, and would you, I mean, I'm just asking you this off the cuff here, but do you think, you know, with the recent mishaps with buildings such as the Opal Towers and things like that, that banks are putting them on the blacklist perhaps or yeah, is that not quite happening? Certainly the blacklist has been spoken about for many, many years. So there, there's been um, there's been talk of a, a property back blacklist for uh, going back all the way to, to 2011, I think, the, the first time I, I heard of it. But blacklist could include a um, specific developer who has not met on other types of properties that they've built or individual buildings where they know that there are structural or underlying issues, geological issues that that may come about. It's a whole range of 
potential snags and again speak to your banker broker about that type of property as in uh, especially in off the plan that type of property prior to putting out a bid yeah definitely i think that's very good advice Thank you so much, Marcus, for this uh, really insightful review on what banks will and will not lend on, and or less so than the, what you expect. So, yes, yeah, so it's certainly not um, certainly not saying don't buy. Mm. Just um, be sure that you will get a loan approved mm. for the amount that you need approved. Mm prior to putting in, say, a bit at auction where you don't have a cooling-off period where it's yes. completely unconditional yeah. and you've got a six-week or a four-week window to um, yeah. to settle. Well, I think a lot of buyers are not aware of this. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They think, oh, well, I've yeah. got this, you know, this piece of paper saying I can borrow this much, let's go shopping. Um, oh. So I think this is a very helpful shortlist. Yeah. Thanks very much, Marcus. And we'll definitely be touching more on those those kind of subjects, you know, the different kinds of titles and what that actually means. Um, so watch this space, I'd say. And if you have any particular questions regarding titles or anything else that you can think of that you'd like to, to have the answer to, either for Marcus or myself, or we can get the local experts in to answer them for you, do drop us a line at ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. Have a great week, everyone, and see you same time, same place next week. Bye. Please note that any views or opinions presented in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent those of any business. These views and opinions are general in nature and do not take into account your personal objectives, financial situation and needs. Please consider whether it applies in your circumstance and seek professional advice where appropriate.